This is episode 32 of the Rising Man Podcast with Matt Morris. Y'all already know. What's up, Rising Man community? I am your host and the creator of the show, Jetty Azuma. And what a wonderful day it is today, huh? Just Let's just soak up the day today. Let's just appreciate what it is to be alive right now. I am filled with nothing but gratitude. I recently just completed an amazing leadership training called the Bridge Extreme Leadership Training with Preston Smiles, who's been a guest on the show, and his wife, Alexi Panos. Uh, for those of you guys who have never heard of these two, make sure you go follow them over on Instagram. And definitely, if you get the opportunity to attend one of the Bridge workshops, one of the Bridge leadership trainings, you can check it out at bridgemethod.com. I'm telling you, woo, totally kicked my butt in the best possible of ways, and I am just excited to be alive right now. So sharing that energy with all of you men and some of you women out there who've been enjoying the podcast. What's up, ladies? Before we get into today's episode, I want to take a moment to encourage you guys to apply for Compass. What is Compass? Compass is the four-month leadership wilderness immersion training that I have created for all of the men out there ready to take their lives to the next level. I realized myself as a man in my 20s that I had no idea what it was to become a man. And there were a bunch of different experiences that I went through on my journey to discovering my version of manhood and masculinity. Included in that was a 10-day meditation, silent meditation retreat, four-day vision quest, which incorporated fasting by myself in the mountains for four days and four nights. It also included sitting on a men's team for the past six years and going deep into the work with men, sitting around a fire and encouraging each other to be the best version of ourselves. And many different leadership trainings and workshops, somatics, physical training, all combined into this one experience that I had on my journey to manhood. And in my opinion, it was one of the most complete and thorough ways to go about learning how to live on my edge learning how to be with the discomfort that life inevitably has, learning how to show up powerfully in my life, to be on my mission, on my purpose, and to show up for the people who need me and depend on me the most. I've put all of my experiences that I've had, the best of the best of the best together into this four month training for you guys, where we're gonna spend time out in the woods. We're gonna spend time with all of the elements, with water, with fire, with air, with the earth. And then we're going to learn how to integrate all of these pieces into a strategy that helps you guys, those of you guys out there who aren't feeling like you're on your purpose, you're not living the mission that you were put here to do. Maybe you don't even know what that mission is. One way or the other, we're gonna get clarity on that and you're gonna develop the strategy to start living your purpose and your mission today. And at the end of this four month experience, we're gonna, it's all going to come to a peak when we go out into the wilderness for four days and four nights and I'll lead the men who sign up for this on a vision quest, which is four days of fasting, no food out in the woods for four days on your own. It's an incredibly powerful experience, you guys. I can't say enough about it. I just want to encourage you guys who hear the call, who are ready to stretch yourselves into your discomfort, who are ready to lean in and take your life to the next level, make sure you apply. I'm going to put the link inside the show notes for the show. It's also over inside the Rising Man Facebook group. I've been doing Facebook Lives promoting the launch of Compass every single week, and you can catch the application there. Make sure you apply today because there's only three spots available. Only three spots available for this first rendition of Compass. So make sure you claim your spot today 
All right. And if you're not already a member of the Rising Man Facebook group, how are you going to get any of this information? Make sure you go over to facebook.com slash groups slash the rising man. Get yourself invited into the group today. We just broke 700 members this past week. So man, in, in just, let's see, we started in March. We're here in August. So in just five months, we've gotten 700 men from all over the world, six different continents all together in one place to start talking about what it is to be a man and how we can be the best man we can possibly be. So without further ado, let me start introducing the amazing guest I have on the show today. Matt Morris is a best-selling author, speaker, and life coach. He has gained wisdom from the traumatic events that have happened in his life. Today, he lives to inspire and make a positive impact in the lives of others. Matt's main focus is to help people enjoy the present moment, overcome depression, stop suicide, all of which are challenges he spent years dealing with himself. He's on a mission to change the negative stigma towards talking about depression in order to make it a better place for all of us. Let me tell you guys, Matt is the definition of a heart-centered man. On this show, we really dug into how vulnerability and being transparent with our emotions can heal depression. Matt described the experience of a deeply depressed person by going into some of his own story, some of the intimate details of his incredible story. We talked about vulnerability and relationships with our partners, how much is too much when sharing with them, and how to navigate that space of being transparent with our partners and also getting what we need from other people in our lives. And last week, we also talked a lot about Matt's mission to inspire authentic conversations and vulnerability for all people. This was a powerful, powerful episode. Matt brings the truth. I'll say no more. Without further ado, Matt Morris. All right, Matt Morris in the house, live from La Jolla, was it? Yes. All right, man. Thank you for joining us here today on the Rising Man Podcast. Good to good to see you. Good to connect. You know, we had a great conversation leading up to this interview here. So I know there's going to be a lot of great stuff for us to talk about in your zone of genius when it comes to vulnerability and particularly this topic of how we hold vulnerability and, and revealing our true selves as men and the challenges that we've had culturally and individually as men. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into that topic. I think it'll be really good for a lot of the guys out there to hear this. Yes. Thank you so much for having me on here. I really appreciate it, man. Just want to sh- I, I want to share so much value and, and whatever I can with your listeners. Awesome. Well, then let's jump right in. I always start off by asking some contextual questions so that the men who are listening can get to know you a little bit more and I can get to know you a little more too. So the first one I ask everybody is what to you is the difference between a boy and a man? Good question. I would say the difference between a boy, because I think of, I take myself as an example. Like as a boy, you don't know yourself. You don't, you just try to fit in with everybody else. As a man, you're your authentic self. You know who you are. You, you really try to be a model and a good example for other men. And, and by doing this, you, you shine, you, you can show your vulnerable side, you can show your authentic side, you can show who you really are as a person and what you bring to the world. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that spirit of vulnerability, especially because that's your area of brilliance, when you say a man is capable of, of being vulnerable and showing his true self, what, what empowers a man to be vulnerable versus the challenges a boy or someone who's acting like a boy might have with that? So as a man, as, as a boy, you know, you're not as conscious as with what you're doing, you know, but as, as a man, you're more in that space where, you're, where you can be conscious, where you can be vulnerable, where you can be open and you know that you're okay. Taking like our society, like it's hard to be always vulnerable and always open because of the way we've been brought up as a man or, or as a boy, I should say. And then as you get older, you realize, okay, 
well, maybe the way that I've been, I've been running my life so far isn't exactly the way that, I, that is best for me. It's, it's, that's what we're realizing in, in the 21st century. Like, it's okay for men to be open. It's okay for men to be vulnerable. It's okay for men to share what's really going on inside their heads instead of trapping it inside there. You know, as a, as a boy, um, I felt like even as a teen growing up and a lot of other boys feel this way, it was like, you can't show your emotional side. You can't show that you're, you're, you're sad. You, you have to keep it all inside your head because you don't want to be seen as weak in front of other people. You know, you don't want to bother other people with their problems. I just take myself back as a teenager and I'm just like, yeah, I bottled so much inside and I felt so alone and so disconnected. But as a man, I've realized, you know what? There's so many millions of other people that are feeling the exact same way. Like, I'm not alone. You know? Right. What do you think it was that made us equate vulnerability to weakness? Yeah, that's, that's a good, another good question. I think like women are seen as more the emotional ones and generally speaking, and a man wants to be different than, a, than, the, than the woman, you know, women, men are seen as more strong, more masculine. Women are seen as more feminine, more emotional, just more in touch with their emotions because men, I mean, in society, like, yeah, you don't want to be seen as weak. You don't want to be seen as a pussy. You don't want to be seen as a girl. Like all these names kind of as a, as a children, you, you, you get called these names if you're being weak or you're being like chickening out, you know, as a boy. Oh, don't be a girl about that. Don't be a pussy, you know, things like that. So then that gets kind of ingrained in the boy's mind. You're like, oh, well, I want to do whatever I can to not be like a girl, mm-hmm. you know. So then it kind of starts from there. So then it's kind of like the weakness is attached to being like a girl and being seen like that, which is, which is obviously not the truth, which is obviously changing as, as, as we're growing more and more conscious of like what is actually good for men especially in the 21st century. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I guess when we actually look at vulnerability, you know, I I don't know what exactly the Latin root word of it is, but there's something about vulnerability that means exposing yourself. And so I guess that the element of exposing yourself leads to that vulnerability. You're you're at the risk of, you're you're handing yourself over to something else. You know, you're you're presenting yourself in a way, you're exposing your, your guts, to the world and that's a very risky thing to do especially yeah. in 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 the natural world you think of i think of animals where you know animals don't walk around just kind of like display putting themselves on display you don't see a deer walking out there with its chest wide open saying come get me because there's a risk to that so i think there's something also that touches into our animalistic nature but as social beings there's some sort of uh, it's it's different though right 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 and that's true that's like like vulnerability is you have the potential of being attacked and the potential of, potential of being harmed with your, when you're being open and authentic with what's really going on inside your mind or what's really going on, on around you, you know? And it's, it's true because like when you first open up, when you first tell your story to people not knowing how they'll respond, it's scary. I mean, it's because you don't know how people are like, if you tell your close friends or your family members, like what's really going on, you know, you don't know how they're going to respond. And they might respond with, with you know, that by making you feel ashamed or the mates will respond like in, a lo- in a loving way. And I mean, ideally, they respond in a loving way, but you never know. And you never know until you take that risk, until you jump over the, over the edge in a sense and see what it, what's out there, see what's in this other realm of being, you know, just being mm. consciously aware and just, just opening up. Because the secret is that opening up really gets it off your chest. Once you open up, you do feel like a weight has been lifted off your shoulders. This this thing they've been trapping inside your mind, which can often turn, often lead to things like depression. Even if it gets really dark, you know, you can have, even have thoughts of suicide, which I had back uh, a while back. But 
because I kept everything trapped inside. But I realized mm-hmm. that letting everything out, just being vulnerable and open and sharing what's going on with people who love me, with people who will listen, it makes it much, much easier. Mm. There's such a, a, a door that, that opens once you choose to be vulnerable, once you choose to share. And the best part about being, being vulnerable, in my opinion, is that it allows you to connect. And human connection is what life is all about. Connecting with other people, you know, just sharing your life, sharing your story, things like that. And then they can share their story and connect with you as well. Yeah, I, I have seen that parallel between individuals who are not willing to be to be vulnerable, to present their true self, to speak their truth in certain spaces, if anywhere. There's some there's some men out there who have dark stories and beliefs about themselves and their their experience that nobody on this planet has ever heard. So I see a parallel between that and also the willing, the lack of the ability to take risk. And we know that taking risks is a huge part of getting moving forward in our lives and really charging into a life of fulfillment and purpose. So I'm glad that you drew that distinction. And I thought this would be a great segue, a great opportunity for you to demonstrate your vulnerability and to share your story so that everyone who's listening can get to know a little more about you and how you came to this conversation of vulnerability and, and why you speak so strongly about it and why you think it's such an important thing for us to know as men. Sure. Yeah. Thank you for that. When I was 10, you know, I had a great childhood. My parents were both attorneys and they did well, really well for themselves. My dad had his own private airplane and we'd take family vacations every couple, couple of months. It was amazing. So basically we, on this one trip from, from uh, Taos, New Mexico, we were flying back home to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we got up to about 8,000 feet and then something went wrong. We don't know what happened, but the plane went down, we crashed, and we were trapped outside for 11 hours. It was freezing cold, so this was really, really tough. Unfortunately, I hit my head, had a traumatic brain injury, and went into a coma for one month. So I basically had to relearn everything, how to walk, how to talk, how to feed myself, how to do everything on my own again. And the plane crashed. My mom, basically, uh, she didn't make it. She ended up freezing to death. And after this, um, I woke up from the coma and the hardest part was that I found out that my mom passed away. You know, she was like my rock at the time. And then, and so basically through, through high school, you know, I had back problems from the plane crash. I walked with a limp. I get bullied oh, almost every day. I get people who talk about me and, and call me names, you know, and then I, I just, this happened for about three years. And then I, I began to get in this really depressed state, like, like, oh, there's no point in living. Like, why am I here? I'd be better off dead than alive. There's, there's, this is really not a good place. I don't like being around. I don't like people talking about me. I just want to be, I just want to be normal. I just want to be normal. And that's it. I was going through my mind all the time. Then I, my grandma sent me a book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teens. And I was like, all right, great. great. Now grandma thinks something's wrong with me. I'm not going to, I don't want to open this book. But I did. I just decided to open it after all. And I was like, okay. I read that about choices and that really your life is up to you. You choose happiness, you choose sadness, you choose courage, you choose fear. So I was like, okay, this kind of had a perspective shift that I can choose all these ways that I feel, you know, by, by taking certain actions, by being proactive. So if I was proactive and true, chose what I want, then I could actually change my life. And at the same time, I, I felt like, a, again, I was in this place where I felt very alone, like no one else knew what I was going through. I kept it all to myself. I didn't want to share that with my dad or, or my stepmom. But let me ask you, let me ask you there yeah. for a second. So what, what was the story in your head about why you didn't want to share it with your dad 
specifically with your dad, given the the experience you went through, and then why didn't you want to share it with other people? Yeah, because I was embarrassed. I I I was always seen as like I thought I was I thought I was abnormal as it was, which uh, I thought I was totally weird and like no one like no one could relate to me. So I felt like mm-hmm. like just by sharing this would make it only worse. Like I just wanted to keep it all to myself. And like I remember I did I open up once to my dad. I'm like I'm like hey I think I'm depressed. And my stomach too much. So I was like, you're too young to be depressed. You can't be depressed. Hmm. And then I was like, I was like, well, I feel depressed. And then that was it. That was the only time I opened up to them. And then it was, I just, I just kept it all in my head. Cause yeah, I, I figured I was too young to be depressed. I was 17 at the time or 18 maybe. And I was like, yeah, I probably am too young to be depressed. I'm, I can't be depressed. Even though I know I was depressed because I began having, began to have thoughts of suicide, began to think I'd be better off dead than alive. Things like this. That's important to point out because a lot of times when people, uh, you hear about these stories of, because we know how, we know what the suicide rates are. We know that it's heavily weighted towards men all across the world. And you hear stories about men who, you know, out of nowhere, seemingly, quote unquote, out of nowhere, they, they commit suicide and exit the world and end their life. And a lot of times you look back at, at, the, at the story and you find out that these guys have been reaching out for help in one way or another. And there, there's two sides to it, right? There's there's the side of the person who is in in the darkness, who's who's having a hard time being able to reveal enough so people can identify what's going on. But then there's also the other side of it of people being able to receive that and hold someone who's in their depression. So hearing that story about you're too young to be depressed, it sounds like it invalidated that for you. So what happened from there? Yeah, it did. I heard this music on the radio. I was like, I was, it said the song was one step closer to the edge and I'm about to break. And then I was like, I was like, that's how I feel, you know, because I feel like I'm about to break. I'm just like, I can't talk about it, but, but this is like trapping me in here. And the band was Linkin Park and I listened to their whole album over and over and over because I would really resonate with it. I really, I felt like they were singing to me, like their lyrics made sense. And then I began to feel this, this, this connection. I'm like, oh my God, wow, I'm not alone. You know? And then, so I would listen to the music all the time. I was, as I said before, I was having back problems and I began to choose to be proactive and ask a personal trainer how I could fix my back. So he said, told me to do some back exercises and my back miraculously got better after doing these exercises for only a few months. You know, even, even though I had this problem for like three years, you know, it got better, better after a few months of doing some exercises, amazingly. And then, so I went off to college. I was feeling good. I wasn't depressed anymore. And my dad, who was, who never really uh, returned to his normal self after the plane crash because he had a lot of post-traumatic stress disorder, he felt really guilty about what had happened to, to my mom and what happened to me me uh, and my disabilities and things like that. And he kept it all inside, though. He wouldn't talk about it. I'd ask him, like, hey, man, how, hey, dad, how are you feeling? You know, what's going on? He, like, he, he was very closed off and he wouldn't talk about it. He was not vulnerable at all. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't show any weakness. And occasionally I'd see him cry, but it was so rare. And he would always try to hide it, too. Right. Because that's the culture that he, that he grew up in, which was more closed off than even our, our generation. Well, I, th- I think that a lot of us can relate to that. I mean, I'll say right now, you know, my, my dad is, I've seen my dad cry twice in his life. And that was when my, uh, my grandfather passed away, his dad. And then also when my, uh, when my mom was deep into cancer treatment when she had cancer. So, um, so yeah, just to, and, and I know that a lot of guys who are listening, if you guys are listening right now, I'm sure you can relate to having a father who learned himself as a kid that it wasn't safe or appropriate to show vulnerability to to show our feelings and our emotions so yeah man that's 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 a huge one yeah so so there's my dad and, and of course to cope with the pain 
he resorted to drugs. So he began to do a lot of opioids and opioids, of course, which are which are becoming now an epidemic in the U.S. As I'm, I'm sure you probably know, he he got addicted to that, and then he unfortunately passed away from a drug overdose about seven years ago now. And you know that was really hard on me. He was like the last parent I had. I'm like I never, even though I knew he was suffering, I still wanted him to be here. You know, I, like I wanted to, I wanted to help him out as much as I could. So my dad, but I knew my dad was suffering from mental illness for so many years, and it was a lot of pain for him. A lot, really, really tough. But he was doing his best to keep around and, and live his life the best that he could, even though he had a lot of very tough situations after the plane crash, which I'm not going to get into. But there's a ton of situations uh, like he could write a book on his life. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, I could write a book on his life because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's so out there. It's so crazy and wild. Mm-hmm. So he passed away. And then I got into this dark place of depression again. I'm like, man, I'm all alone. No family, really. And I just got to do this on my own. So I was like, months went by and I began to take this life coaching course at the Coaches Training Institute. And I learned how to be more in the present moment, which I realized is the key to feeling okay with life when you're in a really, really dark place. Even though it's hard because when you're depressed and you try to be in the present moment, you can, you can, get, a, you can get glimpses of happiness because there's no, there's no pain in the present moment, really. But the present moment is where you're free, where you're uh, a peaceful place. Just being able to connect with others at a deep level instead of worrying about what's happened years ago or what's happened yesterday or what's happened in a month or drifting off to the future and saying, hey, what do I got to do tomorrow? What do I got to do for dinner? When do I have to do this or that? When do I have to pick up so-and-so? So if you can just focus on the present moment, that changes so many things in your life and it brings you so much peace and joy and excitement. And you can really open up your creativity, which is a great thing about the present moment. Before you start talking about like where you went with this, because I, I know where your story starts to go from here and it's awesome. But I've had a couple guys on here who've spoken about depression before. And I think of depression and anger, some of these extremes of emotion that are often labeled as bad or negative. I like to, to flip the perspective on them, that these are very normal human emotions that we feel if it happens for periods of time and then we can pull ourselves back out of them again. So everybody out there gets angry. If you don't say you get angry, you're bullshitting yourself. Mm-hmm. Everybody out there has moments where they feel depressed. I have moments where I don't want to get out of bed in the morning. I don't want to go and do work in my life and all the things that I have to do. That's that's real. So when we're talking about depression as like a, like an illness or a deep-rooted challenge where somebody's getting to the brink of like, I don't know what else to do, to me, that's somebody who's stuck in a cycle. That's being stuck in a loop. And what I'm hearing and what you're saying is that the present moment is the remedy because the stories of our past and the lack of a hope for the future is what seems like the common themes that keep people in that spiral downward. Would you say you've found the same thing? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And, and I want to mention also is, you know, it's so important to, to, to say that it's okay to be depressed because it is. It's okay to be depressed because uh, so many people feel this way, but they don't want to admit that they're depressed. I remember when I was in the depressed state of mind, I didn't want to admit that I'm depressed, even though it's normal. Everybody feels depressed at times. Everybody gets sadness, mm-hmm. but, it's, uh, but the difference between sadness and depression is basically you're in a state of sadness for an extended period of time, you know? Mm-hmm. So not just one day. One day you might feel depressed, but that's not depression. Depression is when you've been there for, for consecutive weeks on end you're like, oh man, I've been in this, stuck in the state of sadness and I feel like this dark cloud is hovering over my head. I've got to get away from it. Mm-hmm. But if you recognize that, that's the point when it's time to open up to other people. That's when you got to talk about, okay, well, I know I'm feeling depressed. I have to be open and share what's really going on you know, inside my head. Whether it be starting out 
just journaling your thoughts, writing every single thought, like, like puking onto a piece of paper, really, essentially. Writing every single thought, free flow, whatever you have in your mind, or just talking to anybody who will listen, you know, and, and hopefully somebody that's not coming from a judgmental place or, or trying to fix it kind of place, more like a place just where they're open to listening to what you have to say. You know, that really yeah. opens up so many doors and gets it feels like weight's been lifted off your shoulders once you, once you do begin to do that. But the stigma against depression is, is, is such a negative stigma. And that needs to end, really. I mean, because the reality is, yeah, we've all, we all get depressed. We all feel sad and all this stuff, you know, and it's okay. It's okay to open up about it. And it's okay to talk about it, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and that's really important to mention is that the stigma or the beliefs or the stories we've made about people who are depressed. Like if I just go off the top of my head, if I think of somebody who's depressed, I think of somebody who's probably on some sort of medications, who, you know, is, you know, a Debbie Downer, someone who nobody wants to be around. And anyone who feels like they're depressed because they're actually in it knows that that's what they're likely going to get from people because that's like the societal cultural norm. And so it's good to mention that because that's the thing that we got. That's the story that we get to throw away and rise above. I love that you mentioned finding somebody that you trust that you can confide in that's going to hold you where you are and not try to make you be anywhere that you're not right now. That's, that's really, really important and critical to identify who that person might be for you. The other thing here, let me say something edgy now here. And, and I've, I've never been, I've never had suicidal thoughts. I've, I've been in depressed states, but I've never been to that point where I, I've actually thought about ending my life. So as somebody who's been in a deeply depressed state, let me ask you this. Would you say that anyone who is depressed at some point is still choosing to be depressed on some level? <laughs> that's a good question. It's kind of, so that's such a, such a gray area because yes and no. Because yes, you can take actions to get, your, get you out of the depressed state of mind, but you have to have the resources there. You have to know what to do. If you don't know what to do when you're in this depressed state of mind, it's like it's not your choice because you don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, but by getting this message out there that, okay, it's okay to share what's really going on with somebody who will listen. I mean, look at the internet today. We have, we can, you can talk to anybody on the internet. There's so many people, such a world of abundance. And a, the, there's such an abundance of resources that you have so many possibilities of how to get your story out, how to get really what's, what's in your mind out there, mm-hmm. you know, out, in, out of your body, out of your mind, into a place of freedom. So, yes, yeah, so it, is, it is a choice in that sense. Like, if you know what to do, you can do that. But also at the same time, when you're when you're in a depressed state of mind, it's hard because when you're so depressed, you don't like you said, you don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to do anything. You know, just you just want to sit there. Like for me, I just wanted to sit there, listen to music. You know, I'd watch some videos. I I would sleep a lot. I wouldn't do anything really. I just like, and I didn't really. I knew I had to get better because I had to move forward with my life. But I I wasn't motivated. You know, so I wasn't motivated to really get better. But I knew I had to. I knew I had to because if I wasn't going to start doing, taking actions, making choices to get better, I was only going to get worse. And that's, I guess that's my point really is that this, I'm not a stand or a support for the victimhood that is so intoxicating about depression. So I guess for those people who are in a depressed state and despite having people who are trying to support them continue to be in that depressed state, to me at some level, there's still a choice in that. And I get it. I, I get that that might be edgy. And I'm sure there's people listening that are like, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know my struggle. I've been in dark places before. And I know that on some level, people were at some point willing to reflect to me what I was what I was going through saying, hey, like, 
you can turn this around, you can flip this around. And sometimes it's like, yeah, but I get a certain kind of attention by being in that victim place. So yeah. that's really that's really what I'm speaking to there. And I, I say it because I know that it's edgy. I know that somebody who's really depressed and addicted to their victim story will hear that and say, F you, bro, you don't know what my life is like. And sure, I don't know what your life is like. And there's always something, there's always another choice. There's always another option. There's always something else that you can do, whether you've figured it out yet or not. And you can always resort back to asking for help. <laughs> you can right. always say, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Can somebody give me an opinion of what's going on here? So that's that's kind of where I'm coming from with that. Yeah, and that's that's so hard. It's so hard to ask for help when you're when 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 you're in this state of mind and you have this stigma, like, okay, well, if I told somebody depressed, nobody's gonna like me anymore. Mm -hmm. you no, know, so you stay by yourself. You kind of seclude yourself. Don't tell anybody you're depressed because you don't want anybody. To, you don't want to ruin your reputation, or you don't want to, you know, other people to look down on you. But yeah, going back to your point. That's, that's so true because I was talking to a friend about this the other day and he's like, yeah, you know, because people hold on to this victimhood of being depressed. Like, like they like, in a sense, some people, not, not, not everybody, not even most people, but some people who are depressed like the fact that, that they get this attention from when they're depressed. They, they get this special attention and they, it kind of brings them a sense of, of uh, to their identity of who they are. Like, the, the, who are they? Oh, they're a person who's depressed. You know, but you can always change that by making the choices by the people you connect with, surrounding yourself around different people, you know, which is a big thing to, to, to not feel depressed because oftentimes people feel really depressed and they never get better because they never change the people that are, that are in their life. You know, mm -hmm. like, like the saying goes, you know, you are the five people you hang around with most. It doesn't even have to be five people. It can be two people. The, the people that you hang around most are the people that you're going to be like. So it's important to choose. You know, to hang around positive people who make you feel good about yourself. You know, if you hang around people who are negative and going to bring you down or talk bad about you a lot, like you're just going to feel worse and worse. You know, so it's important. Mm -hmm. It's an important point to really just surround yourself around good hearted people who want the best for you. Yeah. And I always come from the angle. That, I mean, the spirit of this podcast and this project is empowerment for men. So I wouldn't be doing my job if I wasn't calling men forward, especially you guys who are in the sewer right now, to consider an option you haven't considered yet. And that might be asking for help. That might be taking going out on a rim, taking a risk and being vulnerable about what you're really feeling. Picking the person that you trust most on this planet right now and telling them something that you haven't told anybody before. Just that little thing, because that could open Pandora's box. You don't know if you haven't tried it yet. And so obviously that's where I'm coming from in this conversation. And if people are triggered by that, cool, reach out to me. Let's have a conversation. Yes, let's, talk about it. <laughs> uh, let's talk about it, right? There we yeah. go. If I have to be the one to lovingly interrupt your bullshit story, then let's do it. Yeah. Um, and I, I love the, that. I love that. You know, I love that. I love that you said, you know, just, 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 just talk about it. Just ask for help because, because it's so hard. I take a lot of men as an example, but it's a lot of really hard for men to ask for help because they just want to do it on their own. You know, I can figure this out on my own. That's what I thought. But the reality is you can't. You got to ask for help. People are here for you. There's millions of, there's 8 billion people in the world. There's so many people in the world that can help you out. They just connect, just reach out. And that's the thing. You got to just reach out to somebody who will listen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also like when it comes to healthcare, or anything when it you know we know that preventative medicine is better than restorative medicine so it you don't nobody goes from being okay to deeply darkly depressed overnight 
<laughs> so if you're hearing this message, you can start to, at least I don't, maybe that's a broad stroke. I, at least I don't think that that's the way that it happens, but most people will, it'll, it'll probably be a series of events that happen over a period of time before you get to that dark depth of depression. And so if you recognize that you're feeling a little bit out of sorts, that's a great time to ask for help. That's a great time to say, Hey, something's going on here. Can I, can we have a chat? Cause I don't quite feel like myself. Or if somebody says, Hey, you don't really seem like yourself instead of, you know, fluffing your feathers and, you know, shaking it off and trying to make it look good, say, you know what? I don't really feel like something's right inside and, right. and exploring that a little bit. Right. That's, that's a way to com- combat this. And the cool thing that'll happen when you do that is you'll connect with so many people at a deeper level. Like I think of myself, like I did a Facebook live video because, because with my story, I was depressed last summer after Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park chose to took his, take his life, you know? So he committed suicide and I was really, really depressed about that because he played such an impact, such a huge part in my life when I was going through my depression, when I was going through my thoughts of, thoughts of suicide and for him to take his own life. I'm like, oh my God, how could he do this? Because he's saving so many people. He's helped out, he's helped out millions of people from, from taking their own life. Like how devastating is this, you know, to, to hear this news that he did this. You know, what a dark place he was in and he didn't ask for help. He felt alone. Oh, I wish I could have been there for him. Like uh, all these thoughts go through my head. But what happens is, as you know, I, I was in this state of mind. I felt this dark cloud over my head and I was conscious. I was aware of it. I felt this dark cloud. And that's the point when I decided to open up to my wife, open up to my best friend. And I was like, wow, I got to talk about this. And I began to talk about it and I began to feel better. I, I began to feel like, okay, it was weird because at first I was expecting them to be like, oh, just get over it, you know? It's fine. It was his choice. You know, he did what he wanted to do. But no, that's, that's, that's not it. You got you to gotta listen with compassion. You got to listen without being judgmental or offering solutions. Just, I just wanted them to listen. So, so when I did this, I went up to her and I was like, hey, I just want you to listen. I, I, you know, I don't want any solutions, but I just want you to tell me, tell me you love me. And that's really it. And so I sat down and she was like, you know, I had no idea you were feeling this depressed about this event or what happened to him. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I know it's hard. It's not always easy to, easy to tell because, you know, I, I'm pretty much always smiling in a good mood. It seems like even though and on the outside, you could never tell that I was depressed, you know? So I, mm-hmm. so I opened up about it, which is oftentimes the, the situations of people who are depressed. You have no idea they're depressed. You know, the normal people like, like, like the celebrities, Robin Williams or Chester Bennington or, Chris, Chris Cornell or, or uh, Kate Spade or Avicii, like all these guys, you know, these are just big names, but there's 123 people in the U.S. die each day by suicide. Think of those numbers. That's a ton of people. And for every suicide, there's 25 unsuccessful attempts. So those numbers are staggering. It's, this is an epidemic in our country. It needs to change. And uh, uh, one of the ways it changes is starting with vulnerability. So just sharing your story. But that being said, I did a Facebook live video about my story and uh, cause I felt like, cause I researched how many people were actually feeling depressed. I was like, Oh my God, this is crazy. So many people are feeling depressed and they, uh, we don't, I had no idea. I had no idea. I felt alone. I felt like I was maybe one out of like a hundred thousand people that was depressed or probably not those that high, but something like that. I felt alone. But then I, I did a Facebook live video. I was like, okay, I'm just going to tell my story. I'm going to open up. I'm going to share people how I've been feeling. And I did that and I received, I was afraid that I was going to receive like, oh, just get over it. You're not really depressed. Feedback like that, like I received from my stepmom. Mm-hmm. But instead, I received some incredible feedback. They're like, oh my God, thank you for being so courageous. 
thank you for opening up. I feel the same way. I, I you know, I felt so alone, but I feel more, way more connected. Um, now that you shared your story, I feel like not, a, not as alone. And I feel like your, your, your story really inspires me. So I was like, wow. Okay. And then I began to receive a flood of emails. I like, I receive one or two emails a day at least. And the first I received about 10 talking about how they've been feeling the same way, how they've been feeling depressed mm -hmm. lately too. And it's such an amazing thing to just connect with other people. And, and I love inspiring people. I love just seeing what a difference I can make in the world and people's lives. So I, I connected with these people and I, I had a conversation with them, each of these people. And it was amazing the connection we had. You know, and, and just by sharing your story, but being vulnerable, it's just like that brings so much love into your world. It's, it's an incredible thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's huge. It's huge to be able to share that. And someone like yourself who is truly willing to lead with vulnerability, that's that's another thing is if we're flipping the story around where vulnerability is a weakness, vulnerability can be a tremendous leadership tool, leadership asset, because when you think about it, Nobody wants to follow somebody that they can't relate to. Right. We might admire qualities in somebody who, it, who we put on a pedestal, but when it comes down to connection, when it comes down to authentic human connection, you can't connect with somebody that you can't relate to. So somebody who has all their shit together isn't somebody, and, and if, you're, if you're feeling depressed, you're going to be like, oh, sorry, dude, I don't get it. That's, that sounds good. That sounds nice. That's not where I'm at. So... <laughs> dropping your guard a little bit to meet people where they're at, but also sharing that from a place of power. So here's the, here's the other side to vulnerability is what I would call dumping, right? When, when, people, when people are opening themselves up and, but they're just dumping and pouring out stuff onto other people, there is a way of doing that that to me is not as productive. And, and I'm wondering if you've come across that because I think vulnerability is a very specific a very specific way of using vulnerability to to heal oneself and to help heal others, but there's also a way where the ego gets involved. So, do you have you identified that or nailed that down at all in your work? Oh yeah, the ego is a whole different topic. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't know if you've read the book A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. No. Okay, that's a really really good book. I recommend it to anybody. A, a New Earth is just A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle is an incredible book. It talks about the ego and how it often gets in the way because you don't want to appear a certain way in front of your peers. And by doing this, it often you have to block yourself from, from sharing what's really going on, you know, because your ego gets in the way because you don't want to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like going back to the, I noticed that you said dumping, like dumping everything, all your thoughts out. The problem, the thing is, like it's important to dump everything out, but at the same time, it's also you don't want to do things to hurt other people necessarily. So so it's often it's it's important to be mindful of what you say. Mm -hmm. Not just say anything you want to, but be mindful of what you say. But it's important also to, to dump it out. So that's why from the other person's perspective, it's important to, to, to keep all your judgment outside. Keep your ego outside of you. Just be, a, just be there. Just be a person who's going to open to listening. Having the person dump or tell you whatever is on their mind. Just being there because you love them. Not, not to give them feedback or not, not to defend yourself whatever, to whatever they're saying. No, but just to, mm -hmm. to be there to listen. And that's really a, a, a huge, because you're doing them, whether you see it or not, you're doing them a huge, huge, huge favor just by being there and listening, you know? Mm. And that's, that's one of the most important things is just letting them get it out. And that's, and that's a big time role to fill. Like we're not just talking about standing there with somebody and, and 
and physically being in front of them, there's something about listening to somebody and really making them feel heard. It's something that you don't even, you may not even consciously be able, well, I take that back. You can consciously be there and really be present with somebody, but it takes a lot of effort to not make it about yourself, to not, and this is actually, let me, let's go right to the point here. You said you shared with about feeling depressed when a singer from Linkin Park took his life with your wife. So vulnerability with our partners, especially man to woman partnership and dynamics, I know is that's a, that's a big subject, you know, and a a lot of times men default to, I'm not going to tell my wife anything because she can't handle it or I don't want to be that vulnerable with her. The other extreme is I'm going to tell my wife everything. And then there's the conversation of, is that really safe to, to share everything with your partner? Because, you know, we know how women, they're, they're more tapped into their emotions, so harder for them to hold it. So let me first get your perspective on how to be vulnerable and is there a level of discernment around what we share with our partners? There is. It, it varies with every partner. You know, it's, it's totally, it's, it's a variable thing because, you know, one partner loves to hear everything, whereas another partner likes to only hear certain things. And that's why, it's so, that's why it's an important thing to have like other people in your life who you can talk to, like best friends, you know, friends who are going to listen to you, friends who love to talk. You know, that's why it's important to have pe- different people in your life because it's almost like you're a different person in a sense when you're talking to someone, someone different. You know, you can change other sides of you come out when you talk to different people. So that's why it's important to have a wide variety of friends because you can't share everything with your partner. I mean, you can share a good majority of what's share what's important to you and your your partner, important to your relationship with your partner. Mm-hmm. But there's there's certain things where it'd be better to share with like maybe your sister or maybe your best friend as opposed to your partner. You know, just talk about mm-hmm. it. Just just the whole point is just talking, letting it out. You know, and once you can, once you have someone to do that, that's that's what counts. And I also notice sometimes it's helpful for me to call up one of my bros when I'm when there's something that may not be directly about my partner, but will directly impact her. Because when you're in partnership with somebody, you know, whether it's your finances, your health, your personal social life, it, it all affects them directly. So I find that a lot of times it helps me to talk to one of my bros first who can be more objective right. about my situation before I go and share whatever I want to or the conversation I want to have with my partner. Because I know that in masculine, feminine, male, man, woman dynamics, it's easy for women to get triggered when they feel their safety is threatened. And not just physical safety, but financial safety and security and, and all those other things that can trigger fear in people. So what, do you have some experiences like that? Do you, do you kind of share certain things with other people in your circle and then come to your wife when you've, when you've gotten clarity? Yeah, that's, that's, a good, that's a good question. You know, I, I think the, one, the most direct thing I guess you could say is, is, is when it comes to like relationship issues. I, uh, whenever you have a relationship issue, that's, that's something that's bothering you. It's important to talk to your partner about it, but it's also good to have other perspectives. So it's, good, important, it's important to also have like... Um, some people have a therapist, some people have a counselor, some people have a good friend that they can talk to about what's really going on. How are you being affected by this situation in your relationship? No, I don't know what the situation is. Maybe they're staying out too late and it's really bothering you. you know? Or maybe, maybe uh, they're working too much and it's really bothering you. Or maybe you feel jealous for some reason, like they, like they may have a, be having an affair or something. So then it's important also to talk about that, of course, with your with your partner, but you don't have to do it right off the bat. 
you know, because then often it could come because you don't want to hurt the partner and you don't want to damage your relationship in any way, of course. But that's why it's always good to have an outsider's perspective first. And then you can, you can talk about after talking with them about it, you can talk to your partner about like what's really going on and how you're feeling and how this is bothering you. And then if the partner is loving, of course, they will, they will do what they can to to improve it, to help your relationship out with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a really important point because we also know that the ego gets involved in relationships and there's these stories of um, wanting to be right, wanting to come out on top in an argument, especially with our partner, not wanting to look bad in front of our partner, and also an element of manipulation and control. And of course, I'm not saying that this is present in every relationship, and it is something that can come up. So to be able to step outside of the relationship for a moment, to water down the ego, get to some objectivity about what's actually happening. Because a lot of times, if my partner's staying out too late, there's a deeper thing that's bothering me, but that's just what's on the surface. So if I come to my partner with, you're staying out too late, I'm, it's pissing me off, da, 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 da. It's like, you know, before you know it, you guys are, you know, it's like lightning and thunder going back and forth. So I think having that moment to say, hey, let me get to the bottom of this and then come from a strategic place that will actually speak to their listening. Right. Because especially with women, we know women much more tapped into their emotions and, and, and sensitivity. If we come at them and they feel attacked, it's on and they play dirty. Exactly, exactly, yeah. man. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think we kind of are, are vibing on the same frequency there because I also don't think that we have to withhold everything from our partners. I don't think that's really relationship. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a spectrum. And like you said, there's different relationships that have different dynamics. So it's important to recognize what is the relationship that you and your partner want to have. And then how do you want to, what can you do to support that relationship existing in that way? Because you can't, I don't believe in, in someone leaning on their partner alone for all the emotional support that they need. Yeah, that doesn't work. That's a, that's a big burden on them. A lot of, yeah, it's a big burden if you, if they're the hundred percent, your only emotional support. <laughs> for sure. For sure, man. So yeah, this topic of vulnerability is really great. I always, I find that a lot of topics like vulnerability and the ones that get very popular very quickly, people take it to one side of the spectrum or the other. And I always like to say, well, let's, let's see if we can find a place in the middle that where most of us feel comfortable with. Because if there's somebody who wants to go on Facebook Live and broadcast every, every detail about their life to the world, then that's, that's their choice. I always come back to what is your purpose? What is your intention? And is it effective? for the outcome that you want to create. So maybe that's just something that we can leave off with is when you're thinking about vulnerability in whatever context or capacity that it is, what is your intention and purpose here? If you're yeah. if you're someone who's depressed, you know, what what is your intention of sharing yourself with this individual or this collective of people, etc. and what are you looking to get back from that? Yes, that's important. That's so important to ask yourself your intention. I love that word. Wow, what is your intention of, of talking to these people and being open and vulnerable about sharing your story? You know, what is what who are you gonna share it with? Are you gonna share it with one other person or are you gonna share it a Facebook Live video or a YouTube video and share it with the world? No, like my intention was 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 initially when I was open and vulnerable to, to get over it almost as an experiment. Cause I remember looking at it as like I was like, well, I wonder if I experiment, if I begin to, to tell my wife like uh, that I've been depressed, uh, will I begin to feel better? And because I've been hearing a lot of things about vulnerability, it's a buzzword nowadays. And I was like, uh, and that's what happened. I began to feel better. 
by opening it to my wife. But then uh, on the on other, another spectrum, I did a Facebook Live video to, to thousands of people, and that was to inspire people because that's what I'm all about. I love inspiring people and just bringing hope to the world and bringing goodness and knowing, letting people know that they're not alone because there's so many people that do feel alone, especially when it comes to depression. It's weird how the state of mind is depre of depression makes you feel so alone, even though you're not. There's millions of people who are depressed. Like one out of every 15 people in the U.S. are depressed. Think of those numbers. That's, that's so many people. And like, but they don't, they're not open and talking about it. You know, only 35% only of those people actually seek help, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but, but, but it's all about connection, human connection. And that's what we're lacking. And that's, that's one of the reasons that, that like suicides are so, are so rapid nowadays, in my opinion, is because they feel alone. These people feel alone. They don't feel like they have connection in their life. They don't feel like they have anyone who can, who they can reach out to and ask for help. You know, so when it gets to this dark yeah. place, these demons haunt your mind in a sense. And just, you know, you end up taking your life, which is the worst thing of all. That's the worst, worst, worst thing you can do. To your to anybody, you know, because it hurts so many other hurts so many other people. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, a lot of people forget that that there's that there that suicide affects more people than just the the, the person who's who's leaving. Yeah, and that's right. the problem, you know, because by you leaving and by by someone leaving and someone dying, it affects their family, their friends, their acquaintances, their work peers, you know, their their fans. When someone when it's a celebrity, they they don't even realize how much love they actually have. That isn't it naturally expressed or, or necessarily expressed to them just because somebody doesn't express that they love you they do you know you are loved mm. that's the thing like like and i also feel like it's okay for guys to say i love you now like i've got it i used to i used to have this thing in my head where i can't tell anybody i love them that's that's weird i can't especially guys i can't tell guys i love them but now, now I've, I've come to a place where i'm just i feel okay telling guys that I love them because I don't know I didn't want to appear as gay like that was my mm -hmm. thing and like I was like I'm not gay so I don't want to be I don't want people to think I'm gay you know that was my fear but now I'm just like you know what love is love love is what life is about love is it's important to love other people and and, and share your love and show your love and, and express your love so it's okay to say mm -hmm. I love you you know it's okay to even even strangers you haven't met yet like meet them and you might feel an immediate connection and that's love so it's a type of love so it's so so with that being said there's so much love that needs to be shared in this world and expressed right on man right on well uh, i i really am grateful for everything you brought on this topic of vulnerability i think the the biggest takeaway is someone who is a proponent for vulnerability demonstrating vulnerability and demonstrating speaking from your heart in front of many many people who are going to hear this episode in the near future and then many years down the line when you don't know who's exactly going to hear it you've got to have a strong purpose and strong intention so i see you man i see where you're coming from and i see the, the medicine you're bringing onto this planet and it's it's a wonderful thing you got it you got it um so before as we wrap up here i like to ask a few lightning questions to everybody uh so the first one is what is one thing you've learned that you wish you knew when you were 18. i wish i knew that it was okay to be vulnerable i wish i knew that it was okay that i'm not alone in this world nice that's a big one and all the all the young people out there definitely hear that message. You're not alone out there. And what do you think is the most important value to have as a man? I think just uh, if if you can know yourself, I think knowing yourself and understanding yourself is the most important thing. Mm. That's a big. And one also too, also being courageous to step out of your comfort zone, like that's a huge one too. Now, I think really, I think mm -hmm. true strength is is by being vulnerable and being courageous. 
Awesome, man. I 100% agree. 100% agree. And last but not least, how can people who are listening follow you, learn more about what you're doing? You want to tell us about your book, whatever you want to do, and we'll, we'll throw it up in the show notes afterwards, of course. Yeah, so I wrote this book. It came out about a month ago. It's called Unzip Your Mind, How to Be Vulnerable in a Conscious World. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you'll really like it. Anybody who picks up the book will love it. I've, I've received some really good feedback. Also, if you want to reach out to me, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your story. My website is under development right now. So but you can reach out, you can reach out to me via email, Matt, M-A-T-T, at rootscoaching.com. That's R-O-O-T-S-C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G.com. Matt at rootscoaching.com. Nice. And when the website does come out, is it going to be rootscoaching.com? It's, that's going to be one of them, but, but my main one is going to be mattgmorris.com. Cool. So we'll, we'll throw it in there and people can check it out because, you know, maybe, maybe people listen to this uh, months and years down the line. So we'll, awesome. we'll put it out there so that people can access you. Matt, thank you for everything that you're doing, man, for sharing your story and for, for coming on here today. I really appreciate what you're, what you're sharing here. And what I'm coming away with from this conversation is connection because that's really what it's all about, right? It's at, the, at the end of the day, everything aside, it's connection, connection to ourselves, connection to other people. So yes. thank you for demonstrating it, that, brother. Man. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. You got it, man. Until next time. All right. Talk soon. There you have it, folks. Matt Morris. What a tremendous man. Really enjoyed connecting with Matt for the first time and getting a sense of how passionate he is about this work. You know, you see a common thread when it comes to men living strongly and powerfully in their purpose that a man who has experienced something to the depths of that experience, whether it's depression or bankruptcy or being a Casanova and sleeping with way too many women and figuring out how to come back to committed partnership, whatever a man's journey is, someone who's lived deeply into it and extracted all the wisdom from that and then is passionate about sharing that with other people to benefit them, those are the type of people I love spending time and space around because that's that's kind of how I view my own story. And so I see Matt as one of those people. He really, really takes this conversation of vulnerability seriously. It really means a lot to him. And he had a lot of great stuff to offer. I really particularly appreciated the part of this conversation where we talked about what is too much when it comes to sharing, especially now that we have all of these platforms to share, Facebook Lives, you know, social media, all the, all the different platforms where we can share the details of our lives. And I noticed that a lot of people live on one end of the spectrum or the other. And I really liked Matt's perspective on that, that it's all about context. It's all about intention. What is your intention when it comes to sharing? Whether it's with your intimate partner or your parents or your brother, sister, children, best friend, coworker, boss, etc. What is your intention for sharing what you're about to share with them? Just asking that question first. I think that's a wonderful check-in point for anybody in any situation is what is my intention here? Because then you automatically become connected to why you're making this request or sharing this information with someone in the first place. And I believe that that ultimately will elevate the level of connection and create a better result and outcome for anybody in any circumstances. So take that nugget home with you. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If this message of vulnerability resonates with you and if the conglomeration of topics that we've brought together here on the rising man podcast has hit you like a sack of bricks i want you to go ahead and apply for compass today 
four-month program that I mentioned at the top of the show that I've created from all of my life experiences, the best of the best of the best when it comes to personal development, leadership, wilderness immersion, getting effing uncomfortable so that we can be more prepared to tackle the challenges we have in our lives, whether we're talking about career challenges, relationship challenges, social challenges, physical challenges, whatever it might be, this program has it all. It has every little piece in there that you need to uplevel your life and really launch into the next stratosphere of performance. This can be your next big growth edge. Let this be the four months in your life that changed everything. Because my mission, you guys, as you know, is to ignite and guide men into their purpose and power. So the link for the application is going to be in the show notes. It's also going up on the Facebook Lives I've been doing inside the Rising Man Facebook page. Make sure you check out the Rising Man Facebook community, facebook.com slash groups slash the Rising Man. Get yourself an invite today and everybody go out there and invite five more guys. We want to hit a thousand members by the end of September. So a thousand members by the end of September. Let's make it happen, fellas. Let's do it. Check out the show notes for links and resources at therisingmanpodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe or follow the podcast on the app of your choice, whatever app that you're listening to. You can also leave a review or comment with your biggest takeaways, insights, and reflections for each episode, either on the app you're listening to, if it allows it, or at therisingmanpodcast.com. We've got each individual episode on its own page there where it's available for you to make comments. So please do that. It really helps inform what we're doing here on the show and helps us refine what we're doing. Check us out on Instagram at the Rising Man Pod and at Jetty Azuma on my personal Instagram. Shout out to Sean over at Infinite Melodics at Infinite M E L O D I X on the Instagrams. Sean is the man who masters and mixes and makes these episodes sound super sexy. So shout out to you, Sean, for everything you do. Make sure you guys check him out if you guys have any audio engineering, podcast editing, etc. needs. He's your guy. And for the rest of us, until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.